Welcome to this podcast from Wilkesboro Baptist Church, where we are on a mission to lead our neighbors and the nations to follow Jesus. Mental health has seemed to be a, a big topic right now when you turn on the news or you listen to whatever channel, it seems to be just something that's on a lot of people's minds. Um, The last two years with this pandemic uh, really took um, a toll on a lot of people's mental health. Uh, I read a statistic that was in 2017, one in five people was struggling with uh, some kind of mental health. That was in 2017. That was pre-COVID. I know it's hard to believe those times, but to me, when I look at that and then I talk to people, and the more and more people I've talked to just lately, it just seems like it's becoming more and more a problem. This thing, our mental health is declining. Uh, I know with teenagers, there's a lot going through anxiety, a lot of depression happening, and so it seems to be a topic that needs to come, needs to be talked about. And as I was thinking about what to preach on, and Pastor Chris is going to preach on the Philippians 4 passage next week on anxiety and how to kind of work through anxiety, uh, I wanted to kind of look at some of the, the causes of it and maybe just kind of recognize a few things about that, looking at Scripture in a particular story that came to mind. So turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. It's an Old Testament story. I'm going to give you a little background for those that are not familiar uh, with the Bible. You've maybe never read it. Or this is your first time. You're still learning. Uh, so you had Adam and Eve who were uh, the first humans on earth. God created a paradise for them. They um, lived there and had everything they ever needed. And then they gave over to sin. They gave over to temptation because they went against God's um, obedience. They were kicked out of the garden. And then they led and they had to work and work the land and cultivate and find their own uh, things to live in, their own home. And as they grew, more and more generations come. This man named Abraham came. Uh, God anointed him and said, I will make you many generations. So God did anoint him. He made this great land. He had uh, two sons. He had Isaac. Then Isaac came along and Isaac had Jacob and Jacob had 12 sons. And you have the 12 tribes and they came together and they formed one kingdom. Okay, have I lost you yet? Everybody's still with me. In the room they are, I hope you're nodding your head on Facebook. So you had one kingdom. You had King Saul, King David, King Solomon. After King Solomon things went a little weird for Israel and the Israelites. They started really disobeying God and they actually split and you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And I tell you all that because that's where we pick up the story. We're picking up the part where they're in the northern kingdom, okay? These are 10 of the tribes. They've created their own king. They have some kings were good, some kings were bad. So when you're reading the Bible, and if you're reading through, I know a lot of people have started, they like to read through the Bible in one year. You're going to get to the history part, and you're going to get to kings, and it's going to be, you know, this king was king of Israel, this king was king of Judah, and you get confusing. It's okay. They're always confused, okay? But we pick up the story. We're in the northern kingdom, and we're going to look at a band named Elijah. Elijah was a prophet that was anointed by God, and he did miraculous things. The first thing he did was he told the, he told the king Ahab that there would be no rain for three years. They would be in a drought, which is kind of a bummer. 
And that was because of all the evil things King Ahab was doing. And then that three years went by. There was a battle on Mount Carmel where he showed up, showed the other gods, the prophets of the Baal, they were wrong, and God's mighty power came down and took an altar. And that's where we pick up the story. First Kings chapter 19, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, and I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals, a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. So like I said, we've picked up and Elijah has been this mighty prophet. God has truly showed that his favor is with him. He provided all of these things for Elijah. When, they, when Elijah had to tell them that there would be no water and there would be no food and there would be a great drought, which means there would be a famine, God sent him to a brook to camp out and God let ravens bring him meat man, and that he had bread and he had everything he needed during that time. God always showed that he was with him. That's why Elijah was anointed. And it led up to this big showdown. Well, you had King Ahab who worshipped, he worshipped the fertility God of that time. And he was sold on the fact that his God was greater than the God of Elijah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that created the universe, the God that created the Garden of Eden and Adam and, Adam and Eve. He God, that God, was the mighty God. And Elijah was, that's what he spent his whole time trying to do, is show that he was. And so they have this test where the prophets of Baal come to him and says, we'll do a showdown, an old-fashioned showdown. And the prophets of Baal, they do all of their rituals to create this altar, and, the, and it was whoever's God came down and consumed their altar, that was the God worthy to worship. Now, Elijah was about the only prophet of God at that time. There was a few hidden because Jezebel, the wife of the king, had ran all the other Israelite prophets away. You did not stand up against this woman because she was out for power and it didn't matter who was in her way, she was going to stop them. So they have this big showdown. Obviously, God, the God of Baal, did not come. The prophets did everything they could. They went night and day and nothing happened. And then Elijah prays a prayer and God consumes the altar. What a mighty show of God's power. And so we've come off of that and I missed one part. Some of y'all were wondering if I was going to mention it. But on the way back, after the showdown, it started raining. 
And in fact, Elijah looked at Ahab and said, it's going to rain, you need to get in your chariot, go. And Elijah outran the chariot. He got back to the kingdom. He got back to the throne room before the king did. And he got there. So we should all be excited at this point. Can you imagine that happening? Can you imagine seeing the power of God right before your eyes, the power from fire coming down, and then getting the supernatural ability to outrun a chariot? That would be pretty amazing to me. And, and he wasn't the only one. This wasn't just some experience that he saw on his own. This was an experience the entire nation, the northern kingdom, saw and heard about. So surely, they would understand. They would see the power of God, right? You would think. You would think they would turn from their false gods to the almighty creator God. But that's not what happens. Because we see in verse 1 and 2. Now I have told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Now I called this sermon Naps and Snacks. Okay? Probably one of my most creative titles, if I, if I have to say so myself. And it came from a meme that my wife sent me a while back. And it was a picture of a tweet that came out and it said, This is your gentle reminder that one time in the Bible, Elijah was like, God, I'm so mad, I want to die. So God said, here's some food, why don't you have a nap? So Elijah slept, ate, and decided things weren't so bad. Never underestimate the spiritual power of a nap and a snack. And that's what we're going to look at because that's what we see. We see the first part of where we're at with Elijah's, his spiritual health is in decline. You see that. Because when he goes before these evil people, when the messenger says, Jezebel is wanting to kill you and will do everything in her power to kill you. That's a, that's a pretty, pretty big predicament to be in. So the first thing I want us to look at is that there are evil forces working to hinder your spiritual health. Jezebel was by definition an evil person, okay? And I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's bad to say that because we need to recognize that there are evil forces around us. There is a good and there is an evil. It doesn't matter where you turn, whatever movie you come on, there's always good, there's always evil. Paul talks about it in his letter to the Ephesians. He talks about a spiritual warfare that's happening. And some of you may have already turned me off because you think I'm crazy, but it's true. There's things you cannot explain. Just like there are good things that happen to you, there are evil things that happen to you. And the reason why there's evil in this world is because we are broken and we sinned. When Adam and Eve, they were told not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the only thing they didn't have to do. And they did it. They did it because the evil one, a serpent, came in and convinced them, made them doubt, made them think that they could become greater and have more power than what God had already given them. And because of that, they sinned and it led them to death. That was the evil that came into this world and the evil still exists. 
right? We're experiencing an evil thing right now with the virus that's going around. With viruses, diseases, right? That's an, it's, it's an evil thing. It destroys what makes something evil, what makes something good. Evil destroys, good brings life. That's a pretty simple analogy. Evil destroys, good brings life. And that's what we're seeing here. We're seeing good versus evil. One scholar um, said that Jezebel was a woman that had the fierceness of Ahab, or had the fierceness that Ahab lacked, the civil authority the prophets of Baal lacked, and a freshness for battle that Elijah no longer possessed. She is as worthy as an opponent as God's servant ever faced in Scripture. Who or what can defeat her? And it's true. Later on in a story, not to do a spoiler alert, but if you continue reading, she goes and approaches a, a gentleman about some land. And it was good land. It was a vineyard. It was a good uh, for, for crops and stuff. And he didn't sell it to her because it had been in his generations for years. So she kills him and takes the land. Evil. She wanted to destroy everything in her path. Anything that did not give her power, she destroyed. That's evil. And we have people like that today. There are people that were evil, that they do everything they can to destroy all that is of living. Some don't know they're doing it. Some don't know they're doing it. They've allowed... Satan and his demons to come and influence them. Or they've allowed other things, other gods to influence them that leads them down to destruction instead of leading them to life. And Elijah, he had hope to begin with. But it was slowly starting to fade, which is what we we get to at this point in verse 3. It says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Which leads us to the second thing. That eventually you will become exhausted. Which will affect your spiritual health. This is where I want to spend a lot of our time on today. Kind of looking at because it is big in our culture right now. There is this busyness culture. That is tearing companies apart. Tearing families apart. Tearing people apart. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's like this. If you're not busy enough, then you're not making a big impact. That's what it seems like. If you're working in any corporation, it seems like you've got to stay busy or you're not doing your job. There's a glorified thing that we have as workaholics where if you don't put in, it's no longer good to put in 40 hours. If you're not putting in 60 hours a week, then you're not doing a good job. And I would even be scared to say, and I'm hesitant to say it, but I feel like needs to. We get that way in our own lives because we feel like we've got to keep doing, doing, doing. It's the busyness. If we stay busy, then we won't get into trouble. That's another thing that kind of, you've heard that before. Keep the kids busy and they won't have time for trouble. But if you think about it, That is a dangerous, dangerous path to go down. Because at some point, you're going to be so busy, you're not going to know what to do. 
And busyness will lead to exhaustion. You're going to get exhausted. You can't keep going. You know, I remember as a kid, there was a commercial called the Energizer Bunny. Some of y'all remember that. Like that was the whole thing was to try to get you to buy this certain battery because it said it would fuel this person or fuel this toy or this creation or this mascot, whatever you want to say, forever. It would never die. And that's not what Scripture tells us. That's not what is healthy or good. And in fact, it's created more and more of a burden on our mental health and our spiritual health. More people are having problems trying to figure out a balance between life and work. And as I was thinking through this and doing a little bit of research and just looking at watching TV shows and doing history, you know, a lot of people say, well, in the 50s was the good old days, right? 1950s, that was the good times. That's what I've heard a lot of. And my argument with that is, if, if my understanding of the 50s were, and a lot of it was, was the man worked while the wife stayed at home. But every portrayal I've talked to, and as I dig deeper, the husband worked a lot of hours, and the mom worked a lot of hours, and they stayed busy constantly. So I believe this is something that hasn't just happened now. I believe it's something that's been with us from the very, very beginning. Because God is inviting us to rest. And we're going to get to that in a moment. But this busyness is not healthy. It's not healthy. I was reading an article by the Harvard Business Review. And this writer said, The trick is to keep that busyness from becoming chronic and cultural. Because when that happens, it also becomes corrosive. No matter how productive or positive it may seem. You see, Elijah was by very definition the busy prophet. He started off being treated. God gave him and ministered to him and gave him everything he needed to do his ministry. To do what God called him to do. And he laid on that. From the moment he he prophesied about there would be no rain to healing someone to raising a a kid from the dead, to allowing a widow to have more and more food because she was running out of food, to running, outrunning a chariot. You can't get any busier than that. He was a busy, busy man. And he thought it was all going to be great. Just like we said at the beginning, if we saw the power of God come down in a fire and consume something, Consume an offering we've given, we would be going crazy. We'd be telling everybody about it. If the whole, if all of our friends saw that happen, surely they would be repentive and change and come over to us and want to hear more about this Jesus we talk about, this God, the everlasting Father. But Elijah does not get that experience. In fact, he gets the total opposite of repentance. He gets more evil, more destruction. He gets to the point where he is probably going to die. He knows that she's not going to stop. So when it says that when he came to Beersheba and Judah, 
That is the furthest town in the kingdom. He went from the northern kingdom all the way to as far as he could go out of civilization. And he had his servant there. He had his right hand there. And when he got to that town, he left his servant there to go alone. Now, if you were paying attention last week, you learned that isolation fuels doubt. And he's putting himself in isolation. Not only is he putting himself in isolation, he is completely going to the desert. It says he took another day's journey. So he walked another 20 to 60 miles into the desert. That's a long way away from people. And that's what has seemed to happen now. We are no different. I've been caught in this trap. Where I've worked hard and you come home at the end of the day and you don't want to see anybody or talk to anybody. It's gotten harder. Some of you have been working for home for two years and there has been no escape. When you talk to people that's been in quarantine, after 14 days of staying with the same people, you're ready to leave. (laughs) It's true, right? Because you're so, we are so used to busyness. So used to busyness. Everything around us pushes us to this level and it's not helping us. It's just making us tired and exhausted. And when we get tired and we get exhausted, we start giving up. And that's exactly what Elijah did. Elijah said, I'm done. He left his servant there because I really believe he was wanting to die. He's no different than any other leader in the Old Testament. Moses, the great leader who led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of captivity, had what they called the finger of God. God anointed him and said, you're going to lead these people. And he led them for years. Saw miraculous signs. He walked through a sea. Now, seeing fire come from God, come down from God and consume an altar is one thing. But if I'm walking and I come across a body of water that I can't cross and I've got the enemy, I've got evil forces coming at me and then all of a sudden it parts like this aisle right here and I can walk on dry ground and see water on this end and water on that end. That's a pretty remarkable moment. And then once you cross, you see your enemies and the evil ones be destroyed. That's a mighty power. That's an amazing thing that's going to hold on to you forever. But it didn't. He went wandering through the wilderness and because the people chose different paths, because they chose to be disobedient to God, because they chose to try to stay busy, it led to frustration. And at one point, Moses is going up to God and said, just destroy them. Let's just start over. We just need to start over. Like this is, this ain't, God, I don't know what this experiment was, but it didn't work. Let's just, just start over. Just wipe out. Let's go back. He was tired. He was willing to die. He was ready to die. And God gave him strength. David, King David, was the mighty king. Man after God's own heart. Do you know all the psalms that he wrote? And he wrote a lot of the songs. He was, most of them are laments. 
which means they are sad songs. He was worse than Taylor Swift. Sorry, Swifties. But he was. They were sad, sad songs. And multiple times he's like, I'm, wor- I'm ready to die. God, just, just take me. It's, I, I'm ready to be with you. This is, this, is, this, is not, this is not good. I don't like this leadership thing. People are annoying. I'm just ready to be away. I just need to be with you. Most of his psalms are laments. Sad songs. Songs of desperation. Songs of exhaustion. Because exhaustion will destroy your confidence. And when you destroy your confidence, you destroy your courage. And as one scholar said, encourage is the keystone in the arc of a character. It gives strength and stability to all our other qualities. You've got to stay strong. You've got to work through this exhaustion or prevent the exhaustion. And that's where in verse 5, it says, Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. He fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head were stone bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank. We'll stop there for just for a brief moment because this, this is where the nap and the snacks help. If you read that, a simple interpretation is God said, okay, you're tired. Your spiritual health is on the decline. Here's a tree. He plants a tree in the middle of the the ocean. There are trees in the ocean, but not. He was in the desert. Goes to the middle of the desert, finds a tree. And this is not a big tree. It's a broom tree. But he finds shelter and he finally sleeps. He is full of exhaustion, and God wakes him up. Now, some would say this is a time for God to rebuke him, right? You've heard that. You've been told that. Somebody's tired. Somebody feels like they're not doing their job. Well, they just need to work harder. If they work harder, they'll, get out, they'll snap out of it. Just snap out of this. Just snap out of this depression. Just snap out of what you're feeling. You're just being moody. Just work harder. Or just pray harder. Or just fast harder. Or just sing songs harder. You know what people did that was harder that tried to win, some, win glory? Was the prophets of Baal. On that showdown, they were trying to call down their, their gods to come down. And they kept going harder and louder and stronger and faster. And it didn't work. What worked was dropping, Elijah dropping to his knees, saying a simple prayer, God, let your glory be revealed. Same thing's happening right here, where he has taken a nap. Elijah has found a place to finally sleep. And instead of being ridiculed and rebuked, he's being comforted. There's no condemnation at this point. There's only comfort. So meeting your physical needs is necessary for your spiritual health. Don't neglect that. A lot of times, we just need to sleep. Sometimes, you just need a nap. Right? 
just need a nap. You're exhausted. Listen to your body. When your body's telling you you're exhausted, that means you should listen to it. You need sleep. You know what the greatest gift you can give a newborn mom? You know what the greatest gift you can give a newborn mom? Dads know. A nap. A nap. Uh, have y'all seen the, the new Disney movie Encanto? Encanto? I'm probably saying it wrong. Have y'all seen this? Has anybody seen this? Come, I've got parents in the room and they're shaking their heads. You have got to see this movie. Okay? It's about this house and they have magical powers and all the kids have magical powers and they all do crazy things and they heal people through food. Right? Heal people through food. Um, they have one guy, he shapeshifts and he, you know, kind of brings people joy and joking. You have another person that's really, really strong and lifts up. But there's one scene at the very beginning when they're explaining all of their powers. And the, the, the son, the kid, the teenage boy is a shapeshifter. Means he can just take any shape he chooses. And they have a scene where there's a newborn mom with a baby and she's exhausted. And he turns into her so the baby will go to him and gives the mom a pillow and the mom takes a nap. And he entertains that child while mom takes a nap. Right? I, that's the, to me, I'm like, that is genius. Of all the times you could use your powers and you're going to give a mom a break, that's a superpower. Because you need a nap. Now, Sometimes guys think you shouldn't take a nap because we are kind of instilled that we need to go longer. We need to be busier. We can man up. I've heard that term many times, man up. But guys, it's okay to take a nap. Elijah took a nap. He was a prophet of God. And God said, take a nap. And then also have snacks. It's okay if you're hungry to eat. It's okay to have this comfort food. It's okay to have a snack drawer wherever you are. Because it's going to refuel you. When your spiritual health is in decline, you need to be renewed. You need that fuel to get you through. Because see, he, Elijah couldn't really depend and focus on what God had for him to do because he was thinking about these other things. He was worried about all these other things going on in his life and he was just ready to give up. But God gave him strength. You see, a messenger from the evil one made him run away. A messenger from the divine one, the holy one, the good one, gave him life. Because when he come down in verse 8, so he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Or another name is Mount Sinai. You see, this was the holy mountain. This was the mountain that Moses went up on and got the commandments from God. This is the mountain that Moses got to see God face to face. This was a known place. This was a place of worship. This was a place of encountering the Holy One. And when he finally got nourishment, he was able to go worship. Now some of you may not be, you haven't been able to worship for a long time. 
You haven't come to a church and set foot on a church because you don't think you, you can worship or you've tried to worship or something's not right. But I'm telling you, you need to be refueled by God. Maybe you need to take a nap. Maybe you need a snack. Because that's when you can get God. Take care of your body and get it healthy and get it refueled and get it to the place where you cannot have to worry about the distractions around you, but you're focused on the Holy One. And that's what he did. Because the next part of the passage, when Elijah goes to this mountain, this glorious mountain, he's still a little scared because he enters a cave and he stays in a cave, but this is where he hears the voice of God. And the voice of God did not come in a whirlwind. It did not come in fire. It did not come in an earthquake. But it came in a gentle whisper. And you can only hear that whisper when you take a moment and rest. When you take a moment and rest. That's when you'll hear the whisper the most. And that's where you get recharged so you can come back And get through your anxiety. To get through the declining physical health. Or the declining mental health. You see, we all want to be given that spirit of power. Paul tells Timothy, For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. So when you start letting your fear take over, it's time to take a step back and rest. It's time to look and listen to your own body. A child has no problem telling you when they're hungry and when they're tired. And we listen to children. Why don't we listen to adults? The greatest thing you can do with someone that's struggling is not to tell them to pray more. It's not to tell them to read this book. It's not to tell them to go to this place. It's to grab their hand and sit down. When Job had everything go wrong in his life, he sat down and he wept. And his friends came to him. And this was, this was the greatest thing his friends did. His friends gathered around him, sat with him, and wept with him. They didn't run into trouble until they started opening their mouth and talking. And sometimes we need comfort over confrontation. We need comfort over condemnation. We need comfort. And the greatest comfort you can find is through Jesus. He's the one that sacrificed himself on the cross so that we can find hope. And we don't have to worry about the evil ones. We don't have to focus on the evil spiritual, the the evil powers that are trying to destroy us. We don't have to worry about those things because we have Jesus who is the giver of life. Who gives us hope. You see, he went to the cross to destroy death and destroy the evil one. He rose from the grave to show power over it all and to show that we have hope in Him. So if you are a believer, 
and you're tired, rest. Take a moment and rest. Find a place where you can go and get one-on-one with God and reconnect with Him for your spiritual health. If you're an unbeliever, you've probably sought different ways to find energy. You've probably consumed a lot of things and it's not helping because they're all temporary. Jesus is the only thing that is eternal. He's the only thing that will sustain your life. Let me, talk you, let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes the way when there is no way. That's my Jesus. Is that your Jesus? Maybe you need to commit to that. Maybe you need to say, I need Jesus in my life. How do I know more about Jesus? Because he's the one that wants our burdens. He asks us to come and give us his burdens. Give us our burdens so we can have rest. So maybe you need rest. Maybe it's time for you to take a nap and get rest. And maybe it's time for you to get some snacks. And a snack could simply be tuning in, sharing this, reading your Bible more regularly. Finding the Word of God. For Jesus said that He is the bread of life. So just give a taste. David said, taste and see for the Lord is good. Just a little snack to get you through this busyness that's in your life. So that your spiritual health will will increase. And you can come to Jesus and focus on Him and be able to worship. Let's pray. Father, thank You for all You've done. Thank You for Your love. Thank You for Your grace. Thank You for Your mercy. Thank You for the reminder that sometimes we get caught up in all the busyness that we forget about You. We forget about that You're the one that gives us strength, You're the one that can sustain us. You're the one that gives us hope that you are the good one because you bring life. Lord, there's somebody listening, somebody focusing on a thing in their life that's destroying them. Some sin. And they need to admit that and confess that. They need to bring it to you, bring it to this altar. Lay it down before you and let you take it away. We ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.